Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Some people know what they want to do right from the start. Ross Marino discovered his passion in the ninth grade. That's when he received a copy of Money Magazine for his birthday. Well, 30-plus years later, he is still in the financial space as the founder of Transitus Wealth Partners. That's a financial planning firm that helps people with decisions when life plans change. And Brad, Ross is also a podcaster and an author. Ross, buddy, good to connect with you, man. Hey, Brad, thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) Absolutely. We've been, what, good good friends now for a few years that kicked off, I think, in Vegas, as all good friendships should. Um, so, you know, let's, let's tell us, a, tell us a little bit about your story. You've been a financial planner 30 plus years. You do a bunch of other cool stuff. Let's hear a little bit about Ross to get this thing started. As you said, I've been a financial planner for 30 plus years, started with, of course, a money magazine copy in ninth grade, really caught my attention, ended up getting a subscription to psychology today when I was in high school. So I was a you know, a closet psychology geek at that time, didn't know that financial planning is kind of the merging of the human side or the mental side of money and finances and investments. So uh, I guess I kind of liked it from day one, once I started thinking about what I wanted to do later in life, just didn't know what the profession was. And then over time, I worked my way into the profession early, became a financial planner, had some disruptions along the way, some personal disruptions that we can talk about. Uh, But as the practice grew, really loved the human side of financial planning. And we made sure we integrated that into the practice, which is now Transitus Wealth Partners. And we also have another business called Advisor 2X. And we host conferences for financial advisors. Some of them are on the 401k side and work with employer-sponsored plans, and others are just for your typical CFP or RIA that works with retirees. Been doing that for about 10 years and uh, still loving it. Monday morning, I'm still excited as I walk across the parking lot and looking forward to the next 10, 20, 30 years. And I've been to one of your conventions before, and it was a wonderful experience. The advisors there were getting a ton out of it, and it was a it was a great time and it happened to be in Vegas. So I also had a great time because of the convention and other things, as you can imagine. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that that's Vegas. So you, you never know what day two in the conference is going to look like, but I know there's some people that joke that, you know, you're at a good conference when the eight o'clock sessions are still full on the second day. And uh, that's, that's one of our meters that we watch is did, did everybody get a lot out of uh, Monday? And if they did, they're coming back on Tuesday, you know, we got a good conference going. Yeah, and that's a that's a tougher feat than most areas when you do that in Vegas. So there may there may be people that are still at it because they haven't gone to bed just quite yet. But I think three days in Vegas for me is just plenty. That just seems like enough. <laughs> well, well, I got to tell you the quick thirty second story. The first time we did the conference in Vegas was two thousand and fifteen, and I'm an East Coaster. And uh, I get up early anyway. So I, I sometimes get up 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. So I woke up early Vegas time. Of course, I went to work out. And in order to get to the fitness area, you have to walk by the casino. 
And man, I recognized a few faces at the tables as I was going to work out thinking that, yeah, that's Vegas, huh? They're, they're still there cranking away, but you know, I guess in a few hours they'll be ready to go. And it was, it was just a handful of people, but uh, yeah, they loved Vegas. That's so funny. Same thing just happened to me last week. I'm walking back from my workout. I got a coffee. I'm walking through the casino and here I am just worked out. I have a coffee and I look over and that guy's drinking whiskey and I'm like, you know what? All right. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Dublin, but what are you going to do? So (laughs) you wrote a book, right? Shaping change. Tell me a little bit about that. Throughout my career, I've made plans just like uh, any other financial planner. You know, we do goals-based financial planning and you look to the future and say, here's what I'd like to accomplish. And I don't just do that for clients, but did it for myself as well. And along the way, I had a few disruptions and that's what led up to the book. So quickly, I started my CFP training when I was 27 years old, had been an advisor since age 21. And at 27, started the CFP, moved to Wilmington, North Carolina with my wife and decided to open an office here in North Carolina where I still live. Well, within 30 days of moving to North Carolina, I had a back injury and never quite made it to the office. Ended up spending the next six years working in a room over my garage pretty much laying on the floor on a bunch of pillows and just working over the phone with a, a few clients that I had at the time. So all my plans to open a practice and how I was going to grow my business and network and have lunches and play golf, uh, none of that came to pass. And, and it was a pretty long six years. And by some, some miracle, I stayed in the business and was able to make it. Eventually ended up opening an office, got out of the house. Uh, my wife and I adopted a couple kids. Our youngest ended up having some special needs that we didn't know about. Had some plans on how you're going to grow a family and what you're going to do. And uh, when you have a special needs daughter, plans change. Took about 13 years to get a diagnosis for her. And you know, it's, it's a pretty uh, uncertain time and stressful time. And uh, my wife ended up having some health issues as well. So I find my, found myself in the position of being a single parent basically to a special needs daughter and then a part-time caregiver for my wife while trying to grow a practice and run a business and so forth. So when you're in that environment, you learn two things. One is the future is almost irrelevant. Uh, I had no idea what the next 20 years would have looked like. So there was no retirement planning in my world. There was just take care of the day, figure out what needs to be done. But the other takeaway from that experience is when life happens and plans change, it's stressful. It's a, it's a very emotional time. And during that time, you have to make financial decisions or decisions that have financial implications. And it's tough when you're doing that under stress. And finally came to the realization that the most important financial decisions that people make tend to be around life events. And the irony is that's when it's hardest to make decisions. And if we as financial planners can recognize that and help people make decisions during those timeframes, we're going to move the needle on their net worth and their quality of life. So I decided to commit my practice to that. And we ended up writing the book with Susan Bradley called Shaping Change, How to Respond When Life Disrupts Your Retirement Plans. And we talk about that a lot when, you know, when I'm doing presentations or I'm training advisors or anything like that, there's, there's really two ways to pick up a client. There's only two ways to to, to work with somebody. And that's you either turn the light bulb on for them right there when you're, when you're talking to them, or you happen to be there when that light bulb turns on themselves and they have a a life event. And what you just said is so powerful. And it's just so true that if you wait until that life event happens for them, then yeah, they're going to come in. They're going to be a client. They're, they're going to reach out when they're in need, but also they're going to be stressed. They're going to be there's going to be an added, you know, barrier there that you have to 
that you have to overcome to get them to think clearly, to process, because people only make decisions when they feel comfortable, when they feel confident, when they feel, you know, that they're, they're making a correct decision and their emotions and their brain are talking to each other. That's, that's when somebody is willing to move all their money, right? That's when someone's going to invest in their retirement. So often, you know, that I've never thought of it this way. And that was such an amazing point. So often that that conversation happens during or right after a huge life event. How do you adapt to that? How do you, how do you address the uncertainty in their life when it comes to everything going on and then get them back into financial planning mode? It's a challenge. If you think about the situation that someone's in, there's some type of ending, something in their life just ended, whether it was planned or what they would consider a good ending, something ended and something new has to begin. In that time of transition, Brad, that's when you're coming to grips with whatever was is no longer. And that's not an easy thing to do for a lot of people. So there's, there's a lot of loss. There's a lot of uncertainty. And if you think about it over the cycle of a transition, you've got someone who starts looking back and realizing what they lost and what has changed. They have to make sense of that. And then eventually they start looking towards the future. This doesn't happen in three weeks, or in many cases, it doesn't happen in three years. Sometimes major transition, transitions take years and years. So how do we as financial planners help people think about 10, 20, 30 years down the road after a transition like that? I'll be blunt, Brad, we don't because they can't think about 10, 20, 30 years down the road. We can help them make decisions that are going to be wise or viewed as wise down the road, but we can't really look to the future and say, here's what I want to do. So you start by just slowing down accepting where the people are, creating a safe space for them, and then making sure you're able to prioritize what needs to be done right now. Major financial decisions usually don't need to be made right then. There's usually some legal, maybe some tax issues. Maybe there are certain uh, situations where you have to make a decision, but for the most part, you only want to do what's important and urgent, give the people time to process, to understand what's going on, and then move very slowly. So four stages of transition. I've heard you say that before, Ross. What the heck is that? You got four stages, and the first one is optional or not always included, and that is anticipation. We'll use retirement as an example. Some people may anticipate retirement, saying, at the end of this year, I'm going to retire. That means they're anticip- Other, there's anticipation. Other people may come into work on Friday and find out that they're being let go or the company's being downsized, and they're part of that. And now they're retired today. That means no anticipation. They didn't see it coming. Often deaths have no anticipation. So stage one is the anticipation that leads up to stage two, which is the ending. And that's when something ends. If it's retirement, it's when you go from working to no longer working. If you were married and now you're divorced, the ending is when the marriage ends and now you're divorced or you're suddenly single and you become a widow. That's the ending. It's sudden. Even if there's anticipation, it's in general really shocking to people because if it's a major transition, it's really hard to understand what it's going to be like on the other side. And when you go past the ending, so anticipation, ending, you then go into passage. And passage is that time where you process what was, what is, and eventually start looking towards what will be. This could take years depending on how intense the life event or transition is. 
And then eventually, hopefully, within a few years, you hit stage four, that's the new normal. Because as we've all learned, life never goes back to what it was. That's not how life works. It's always moving forward. And once there was an ending and you go through passage, your identity is shaped, you hopefully grow, become a stronger person, more resilient, you start looking forward, and then you embrace the new normal and you look to the future and look to make a great life for yourself. So how do you help your clients or prospects see those stages of transition? How do you help identify those and then walk through them. I think, you know, oftentimes in this industry, it's, you have that first connection, you start working with somebody and depending on your business model, you know, once you pick them up, that might, that might be it, you know, and then it's just touching in here and there, but you kind of lose focus on that transition. So how do you turn a prospect into a client and then help them through that transition, which will reach your ultimate goal, which every, everybody in business wants, and that's to never do marketing or sales ever again, and only to work on referrals, right? <laughs> and, it, and it's all about solidifying that relationship so strongly that they feel that, oh my gosh, everybody needs this experience in their life. They have to go talk with Ross. But part of that has to be helping them through those, those four stages. So talk, talk to me about that a little bit and how that works. That's a good question. How about we just start with an initial engagement when that phone call comes in and you set your first Zoom call or you have a meeting with someone because life happened. They become the referral uh, or you just connected with someone. When they come to us, I start with our process. We call it the transitus process. It's four questions. They're simple. They're straightforward. And I'll give you a spoiler alert. Most financial planners will hear these four questions and say, I think that's pretty much what I do. And it probably is, although we tweak it a little bit and we call it a process, which clients love a process as opposed to let's just do some Q&A. They want the process. Here's our process, Brad. Step one is just asking what's going on. And this is when we determine what's happening in the person's life. Question two, how did you get here? That's where we need the backstory. We need some context of what led up to this. Is there anticipation or not anticipation? Question three and question four I do together and I'll unpack them for you. It's what are you thinking and how are you feeling? And I have to ask those together because I, if I just ask people what they're thinking, they're gonna give me all the thoughts on their mind that usually relate to financial questions. Well, I'm thinking I might need to cash this in or I'm thinking I may wanna uh, do a rollover or pay this off or maybe I need to downsize my house. They're gonna brain dump all these decisions. But when you say, uh, when you ask, what are you thinking? How are you feeling about everything? 100% of the time, people tell me what they're feeling. And in order to help them through a transition, that's what they have to get connected to. And that's what I need insight into. So the questions are simply, what's going on? How did you get here? What are you thinking? How are you feeling? That Q&A really helps people give you the backstory, the understanding of where they're at. And once they start sharing what they're feeling, Step two is I can listen for the key words that are what we call transition traits. You know, are they nervous? Are they scared? Are, are they not sleeping at night because they're waking up because of the uncertainty? Are they feeling settled? Do they feel calm? Do, are they hopeful towards the future? Uh, or, or are they worried about the future? And we have a list of traits. And as someone's speaking, I'm taking notes and I'm checking my traits. And, you know, if we were on video, you'd see this little card that I'll wave in front of me. It never leaves me because it's got a list of my traits. It's from the Financial Transitionist Institute. And I'm always looking over and always writing down. Once we know how someone's feeling, 
then we can assess where we need to go and what the next steps are going to be. What we don't want to do is try to do too much too fast because Brad, it seems like such simple decisions sometimes to say, oh, well, we'll just help you do X, Y, Z. But to that person, it may be a huge decision and a big change. So we want to understand where they're at, see how they're feeling, and then determine what we need to do now and then move on to what we can do next once we know we're ready to go. I love that. And I love that the feeling question comes before the thinking question, because that's how it always ruminates, right? The decisions are are based in emotion, and then you use the tactical brain to suss out, okay, is this emotion valid? And can I, can I justify what I want to do? Right. When you, when you click that buy now button on Amazon, you did that based on emotion. And when that brown box shows up on the porch, then you don't really remember what's in it. As soon as you open that thing, you justified all the reasons in the world why you <laughs> desperately needed whatever it is that you bought. But it's the, it's the same idea here. And, and I've heard you say before too, that there's two sides to money. There's, there's human and there's technical. Is this sort of related to that? It completely is. And let me, let me clarify what I said before, because you actually went deeper into it, which really is the core of the issue. It's the emotions that drive the decisions. And that's what comes up, why the people say, here's what I'm thinking. But when I ask the questions, I actually, I do them together, but I ask thinking first, because if I just ask the emotion question first, they may not know how to answer it. They may not be comfortable. But when I say, what are you thinking and how are you feeling? Then they connect the dots. And you know the emotion started the decision because that's how the brain works. That's what you just said. And it's spot on. I know that as well. But I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one at work. Uh, I'm not a therapist. That's not what we do. But if I ask them, what are you thinking and what are you feeling? They are going to connect the dots. And that really helps us get down to the core of what's driving that decision. So it's a really good point. So what you're saying was I wasn't listening. I got it wrong. I got it backwards. It's cool. Just, just. Well, you went beyond it. You actually went where the brain was. So I know I'm giving you kudos. I'm giving you kudos, but it is, it's the emotions that that's what drives it. And the, the reason transitions are so hard, Brad, is the more dramatic the change or the more traumatic the change, the stronger their emotions, how much more is that going to drive what they're thinking? And sometimes we watch people go through transitions. You've done it. I've done it. Everybody has seen this. There's a financial decision that somebody is facing. And when we look at it, we think the correct decision is painfully obvious. It's so clear. This is what you need to do. And then the person does something else. And we shake our head and say, what were they thinking? And if you understand how the brain works, in a way, they weren't really thinking the way we think about thinking. It was the emotion. It's what were they feeling? It was so strong. It led them to do something that really wasn't the best decision long-term for them, but it just starts with the brain and the emotions. And that makes perfect sense. And you know, the, the financial advisors that see success that really get it, they understand how much of a relationship business this is, that it it's all about that relationship. And you know, I've, I've talked to some advisors that, that seem to struggle a little bit, and it's because they're so focused on the technical. They're so focused on this is, this is what you should do, A to B to C. And when you present, here's the options, here's the game plan, here's the, here's the IKEA instructions, if you will. <laughs> and the, the client or the prospect doesn't say, yeah, that makes total sense. That's how the bookshelf gets built. Then there's you know, the, the advisors that struggle don't know how to incorporate that, that second piece to it of, 
you know, here's the frustration of putting these pieces together. I bought Ikea furniture before it didn't work out well for me. You know, it ended up in a three-day argument with my significant other and I was sleeping on the couch because, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, but if you can, if you can identify both halves of the house and it could be one person, it could be, you know, going on in there, or it could be a household, you know, that, but you have to address both sides. You have to address the people that think tactically and technically, and you have to be able to address that emotional side. We talk about that a lot during seminars too, when you're giving your presentation is you have to address both types of thinkers in the room. And one thing that some people don't realize is sometimes two mindsets are in the same person. Sometimes it's the, is the husband thinks this way, the wife thinks this way. Other times it's, well, I, I start out thinking this way. And then my, my other half kicks in and tells me not to do that or whatever. And it causes hesitancy. Yeah. And that's true. And if you think about it, we're, we're rarely a single track thought. So we may look at something and say, wow, the potential for growth out of that looks great. That would be a cool thing to invest in. I would love to make that kind of growth. Boy, there's probably some risk that comes with that because you know high reward comes with high risk. So that's normal. It's going to go back and forth and, and people can flip-flop. There's a term cognitive dissonance, which is you can hold two opposing thoughts in your mind at the same time. And really, they're both true. Yes, you can make a lot of money on whatever this particular investment is. Yes, it's also high risk. You can lose all of your money with it. You can have both of those at the same time. And even though the original thought may be on one side because maybe that's what you're more driven towards. Maybe you're more risk averse. You're kind of a safety player. Or the other side, you're an entrepreneur, which means you don't actually understand what risk means because it doesn't enter your brain. You just see, hey, this is going to work. We got to do this thing, right? Wherever you are, you're going to go back and forth a little bit. So just recognizing that and trying to foster the conversations really helpful for people. I love it. That is so powerful. To, and it, it, we went, I kind of caught onto a rabbit hole here and we dove right down into it. So I, <laughs> I appreciate you indulging me here, here, uh, Ross. And one of the things I also wanted to kind of pick your brain on, and, you know, we went through a, a similar, similar experience, I guess, in, in March of 2020, as you guys probably did. But I mean, you've hosted more than a thousand events and conferences and, and helping advisors grow since 2010. What does that look like today? What does that look like next year, last year? How have you adapted? What are you seeing in the in the trends of in-person training events? I'll tell you my personal experience is it's all across the board. Some some events are steaming forward. And I just went and saw George, George Bush talk, who, you know, not even getting political at all. That guy is an amazing speaker. And then other ones said, oh, we're not doing anything until April of next year. We're going to see how this all plays out. So it's just, what are you guys doing with that? We've gone two years without any live events. At the time of this recording, we're recording this right now in uh, mid to late October. Our first event in two years uh, starts in four days. So we are back in business. We set up the parameters of you must be vaccinated or you have to show proof of a negative test within the previous 72 hours. So I think that's part of the new normal, uh, either be vaccinated or show a, a test that proves that you're negative. That's gonna be part of it. Advisors that don't want to do that, that would be their choice. They self-select out of the conference world. So that's okay. I know a few conferences that have uh, gone off this fall in the last month or so, and uh, some of them attendance was way down. Uh, we know that. Everybody expected that a little bit. Our attendance is going to be off a little bit, nowhere near what 
we thought that might be say six months ago, but we're, we'll just have a little dip in attendance. The advisors are excited to come. Uh, the agenda committee put together a great agenda. They're excited. Uh, we have lots of vendors, lots of sponsors, lots of special guest speakers. Uh, I think you can count on one hand, the number that canceled uh, due to some type of issue. Uh, we thought it might've been COVID related, but found out most of them were other issues, but uh, people have made their decision of I'm vaccinated. I want to go. I want to go do conferences and they're going out and doing it. And the, you know, the people uh, that aren't going to do that, some of them have self-selected out, but uh, I think the new normal is uh, what's going on right now. And we have another one lined up for March of next year in San Diego, Retirement and Longevity Summit, and a lot of excitement. People are messaging us. They want to speak. They want to come. So I, I think the conference world is back on track. Well, I, I don't know why I wasn't invited to go speak on stage. That seems like something I would be good at. Uh, but but I will <laughs> say, you know, the, the, the events that I've been to just in the last six weeks are high energy. Advisors are excited to be out there. You know, that it's the same, same mentality as everybody else, right? You're vaccinated or you take a negative test. And then they, one thing that I thought was really kind of cool, but then, I, you know, unique, but then it sound, turns out everybody's doing it is they have like different colored lanyards for how comfortable you are with hugging or, you know, shaking hands or, or whatever. And it just seems like everybody is just very respectful of everybody's wishes, but the energy is so high. I mean, I remember in 2019 doing the the conference grind where we'd go to hundreds of these things. And by the end of it, the advisors are so burnt out and they're like, I don't want to sit in another breakout session. This is awful. And now it's like, they're just desperate to learn. Everyone is just so excited to share what's working. It's a, it's a wonderful time in the industry to, you know, if you're comfortable with it, get back out there. And if you're not, I mean, almost everybody is showing great opportunities to participate virtually. Well, and here, here's something that I think we've all learned that some people may have guessed, some people may have said, this is exactly the way it is, but now we actually have proof. And that is getting out of your office, being around your peers and talking shop and thinking about business is incredibly valuable. And there is no way to replicate that. Virtual conferences, great. Education, great. Uh, I love Zoom. I Zoom with all clients. That's actually what I've converted our practice to. We do Zoom, period. So I don't do phone calls anymore. I just want to Zoom. So I, I think there's a lot of value in that, but it's just not the same as being around people. And that's originally what drove us to do conferences years ago, because as a financial planner, I knew I had to get out of the office. I had to get away from the grind and I had to be around other people. And for many advisors, they'll tell you the best ideas they had. They were in the airport or on the airplane either going to, right, coming home from a conference, but <laughs> right. that's because you remove yourself from your normal day-to-day. -day. We know that's effective. I think we've proven that over the last couple of years beyond the shadow of a doubt for many advisors. So that's how I see it. I'm excited. People that we're interacting with, they're excited because they want to get out. They want to talk shop. They want to sit in breakouts. They want to have lots of networking opportunities, and they're ready to figure out how they're going to grow their practice going forward. And the real question is, how in the heck do you get out of your house when you have such high maintenance pets that you have uh, running around there? How do, you, how do you even make the time to get out to these things? Oh, the Marino Zoo is a special place. You just you just never know when you, you go home, you're, you're going to find, uh, hey, we, you know, look, we got a little mouse. I'm like, the tail's eight inches long. That's not a mouse. Like, okay, I got a rat. I'm like, what? And, and you know, <laughs> next thing you know, there's this massive cage. You're like, oh, it's like a cute mouse. I'm, I'm sorry. That's not like a cute mouse. A cute mouse is like a cute mouse. That would be a rat. So we had rats for a few years. We got dogs. We got cats. I think actually we have a caterpillar right now that's going to turn into a moth 
uh, at any time. So uh, that's a uh, that's growing somewhere in a cocoon, somewhere in some cage in the house as well. So uh, never a dull moment in our house, that's for sure. And as far as I know, the cat did not make it into the cage to eat the cocoon this time. So that part's working out pretty well. But uh, it's an interesting time, Brad. That's for sure. Here, what are you like snow white right you just have all these <laughs> animals all around you i think the best i have is i have a casual part-time cat where sometimes if i leave my patio door open the neighborhood cat comes wandering in and likes to hang out when i'm I'm doing work and everything like that we're pretty good friends now but it's it's kind of the best of all things because you get the the joys of a, a pet but then you can say okay get the heck out of here i gotta go to work or i don't actually have to take care of it so it's kind of fun so isn't that like grandparenting yes Yes. I saw this um, shirt the other day. It said, I am so sick of taking care of my mother's grandchildren. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, let's wrap it up here. One final thought from you. What should an advisor do today? What can they implement? What can they focus on to see growth? I'll just give one thought and that's step three and four. Is that really two thoughts? I'm calling it one. Step three and four. And one here's here's one thought. Step three and four. <laughs> classic four B three C. Yeah, you know. <laughs> classic overachiever. Can't help myself. So step three and four. What are you thinking and how are you feeling? Just try it. The next time a client calls in and says, "Here's what's going on. Something happened in their life." Just ask them. So what are you thinking? How are you feeling about everything? And then stop and listen. Just try it. I promise you, your clients are going to share what they're thinking and more importantly, what they're feeling. And you will develop a level of insight that maybe you've never experienced before. Just give it a try. Thanks, sir. This is wonderful as always. Great catching up and uh, let's do some more stuff together. Great. Thanks, Brad. Ross Marino with Brad Swinehart, the host of Be Advised, Leading with Value. Follow this podcast to get the latest show and share with family and friends and others in your life. Who count. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of White Glove. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.